We church, not me church. Now that's a, that's a concept, isn't it? Where did that come from? Well, we're going we're gonna to spend four weeks on this in a series, and, and we're going to see how we fit and how we function in the body of Christ. You know, in 1961, JFK stood in January at his inaugural address and said, My fellow Americans, is that pretty good? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And so this morning, we should ask what we can do for the church, not what the church can do for us, right? And if we see Jesus high and lifted up and he is, he's the head, he's done it all for us. And that brings us to, okay, Jesus, what can I do for you? You've put me in the body. You've gave me this privilege to be called your son and your daughter. And I'm a part of the family. We're going to talk about that this morning. But, you know, that love expressed toward me opens up my love to be expressed towards him. And because you're part of him, my love is, is obligated to you. I am obligated to you. And so, this fits right in with the New Testament that says, Owe no man nothing except what? One thing. One thing we, we owe. To love. And love is... I'm jumping way ahead of myself, but I'll back up, I promise. Love is not love until it's displayed. Until, until your actions line up with what you believe. So what do you believe about the body of Christ? What do you believe about your part in the body? Is it to be a receiver or is it to be a giver? Why are you here? Why is the church here? Can we answer that question this morning? Why, why does the church exist? Well, it, it exists because of Jesus. The church only exists because of Jesus. Jesus came, he gave his life, and that's when the church started. Now, it had always been in the heart of God, but it took the sacrifice of Jesus. It took him putting on flesh and blood and walking out the Father's will before, before his body could come together. Right? Jesus opened the door for the church. And he, in Matthew 16, he says that he's building the church. But look at the mission of the church. This mission... The mission of the church is building up his body to do the work of the ministry. And the body is made up of people, and the work of the ministry is serving. So we could say the mission of the church is growing up to serve. Growing people up to serve. Right? It's so important these days, the message of the church. It, the message of the church is being connected to a community. Being connected to a community and serving Jesus while serving each other. That is the message of the church. People want to be connected. They've always wanted to be connected. This is the, this is the motivation behind the gangs. This is where the devil can, can come in and, 
and, and draw people together for the wrong purpose. That's just a perverted or twisted version of the true church of the living God coming together in love with a mission to propagate or, or to, to sow love in the earth. Right? So this is an important message for this day. There's another reason that it's important is because God hates loneliness. He hates loneliness and he, ha- he hates isolation. And if we look back, back in, uh, uh, in the book of Genesis and we look back at the first man and we see that uh, he was lonely, then God himself started back in Genesis to joining people together. It's God's will that people be joined together. You know, Adam and Eve were not only to be married, but to live in love with each other. It's not just a matter of cohabitation. There has to be an exchange of love, a commitment, a covenant. And it was through God's covenant that he formed the church. Fellowship then began in the, in the Garden of Eden. And God has always been after a group of people that would love him and love each other and dwell together, live together in community. Now, the New Testament identifies four distinct pictures of this community. And we're going to look at those four this morning. Uh, The first one being a building. We are a building. You know, I'm glad that God gives us word pictures to help us understand spiritual things. Because he's, if, I mean, if he said, you know, just be a part of the church, we'd have a hard time connecting with that, right? So he said, we're a building. There's four, four word pictures this morning we're going to look at. We're not a physical building. We are people with a building. <laughs> kind of like a family having a dinner. You know, you wouldn't say, okay... When you get around the table and say, okay, we're at dinner. No, we're a family that's having a dinner. We're a, we're a people called the church. We're not this building, but we have a building, right? And so it's important to remember that church is people, right? It's, it's, it's not a building we come to. It's a group we belong to. And let's not lose sight of that because... You are the church, I am the church, and we're called together to love each other, serve each other, and walk together and, and, and move in mission, in unity, in harmony together to fulfill God's mission on the earth. Jesus is building the church. There in Matthew chapter 16, it says, Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. On this rock, the rock that he was talking about was the revelation of who he was. Because you remember he asked asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter was the one that said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, well, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, Peter. That's, That's good. But my father, which is in heaven, he told you, he revealed that to you. And upon that rock of the revelation of who Jesus is, I'm going to build my church. Now, it's important to remember that Jesus is the one building the church. There are many good church builders, church planters, pastors, and leaders that go around bringing up a church 
but Jesus is the one that's responsible for building the church. It is a supernatural organism, organization, that Jesus, the head of this church, is building the church. He's building it. And the church is the only thing that Jesus ever built. Think about that. That's awesome. He's going to do it right, and he's going to do it right the first time, right? Church, the, the Greek word uh, ecclesia in, in the New Testament, is a word that literally means gathering. But it carries with it the idea of movement, so that it means a movement or a gathering of people on the move with a mission. We're going somewhere to do something. We're not just sitting on a chair. That's why in, in, in a lot of instances we've done church wrong where we've built a building, called people in, told them to sit down and be quiet and don't move, listen to me. And that's the only thing that, that they get all week. But today, in, in, in today's church, there, there's a movement going on of small groups. There's a movement of, of uh, serving teams that actually remember the mission, remember the why, and not get so caught up on just sitting in a chair on Sunday morning, right? So we're a building. Jesus is building us. But we're a moving, gathering group of people on a mission, with a mission. He has a heart for the world, and he wants us to display his heart for the world. The New Testament says that, that we're like a building, and what Jesus is saying is, he's saying, I'm building you together into something that's going to move and have an impact on the world around us. Ephesians 2, chapter, uh, second chapter, verse 20. Ephesians 2, 20. In the ICB. That's close to the NCV. The ICB is the International Children's Bible. Sometimes a, a translation like the NIV. There's an there's a NIV reader's version as well. But these words are made plain and clear so that sometimes we can understand them. Now, never leave the, 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 the more old and tried and tested versions without uh, proving out what you're studying. I use some of these versions just to help us with some of the words become plainer and cleaner. Look at this. You believers are like a building that God owns. I like that. Jesus is the most important stone in the building, and the whole building is joined together in Christ. Isn't that good? You're being built into a place where God lives through the Spirit. And then the uh, NLT version of verse 22 I wanted to point out. He who believes... Are carefully we who believe are, are, are carefully joined together becoming a holy temple for the Lord so Jesus has fit us carefully and precisely into this building into his church and uh, you know isn't it interesting that God has given us a desire each one of us to build something significant in our lives and something that's tangible, something that we can look at and point to at the end of our life, like a, you know, a great career, a nice family, maybe a retirement account, nice house. This is not bad, but you know, Jesus, what Jesus is saying here to us is, is what I'm building is going to last. And at the end of your life, what you've helped me to build in my kingdom and in my church will be the only thing that lasts. 
I'm convinced, you know, when we get to the end of our life that we won't care how much money we've made or how big of a business we build, but we will care about uh, the thing most in our life. We, we will care about the relationships that we have and the people that we've loved and the people who've loved us. And we're going to care more about God's church and what we've done for the kingdom in our life. And this concept is, is, is tough for most guys because we don't naturally build relationships. We think it's almost... Almost it, it, this extreme thinking from men or is you know I don't have time to build relationships. I, I have to be busy doing this and this and this with my with my hands, and I like to build this and make this and do this. And and it's difficult to kind of wrap our minds around the the value and the importance of building relationships. But Jesus has us together in this build, building relationships and building His kingdom at the same time, right? So we have to understand that uh, it has to be intentional, guys. It's, it's harder for us to fellowship and build community because we, we see sometimes that it's just sitting around in a circle and telling each other about our feelings and sharing our thoughts. <laughs> but, but when you come together and, and you fellowship, you build community, and you support one another, you get involved in a life group, like Josh was talking about earlier. It's so important because maybe something you say that you've gone through in your past brings someone else into a place of receiving something from God just through your testimony. It's so awesome how Jesus builds his church through relationships. You know, this building is going to burn up one day. But the relationships that are formed here will last forever. And we have a chance to be, be a part of that. Be a part of that. Jesus wants us to build each other. And if we're going to do that, we have to take our eyes off of ourselves, be concerned about each other, and value the time that we spend with each other. Jesus is building a building that's not made with brick, mortar, and stone, but with people. So what are we building with our lives? Is it connected to what God's building? You know, as a pastor, I've had the honor to do many funerals. In uh, over 25 years of pastoring, I've, I've been in the hospital. You know, I've never been in the hospital room with someone that, at the very end of their life, and they understand that they're passing from one uh, place to another. Uh, I've never heard anybody say, "You know, could you bring me my earning statements and my real estate holdings and my." my stock portfolio, but I all have always heard them ask, where are my relatives? Where are my friends? Where are those that I love? Are they here? Are they close? Are they coming? And then most assuredly, they, they want them to come near to them so that they can hold their hand and feel the warmth of another hand and the love that flows from the heart. That's what it's about, guys. It's about relationship. It's about coming together in Community, being connected. Number two, we're a body. Romans 12, verse 4 and 5. Romans 12, 4 and 5. says, just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We're all parts of it, and it takes every one of us to, to make it complete. For we each have different work to do. 
So we belong to each other, and each of us needs all of the others. Let me just say that this is not in a code. It's, we need each other, but not in a codependent way. Meaning, if, if I don't have you, I can't go on. Because our strength comes from Jesus. Now, the Jesus in me needs the Jesus in you. But, and I've, got to, I've just got to understand that, hey, guys, there's sometimes I'm going to be strong and, and, and I'm going to provide some strength for you. But as, you, as I need to be strengthened, when you get close to me, I receive that strength from you, right? But we're all dependent upon Jesus. And as his body, Jesus connects us together. So that, that, the one word that describes this verse to me is connection. He connects us. Jesus connected us together. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm connected to you. Now look at the other neighbor and say, I'm connected to you. The church is not a place that I go. It's a people I belong to. The church is my tribe. It's my peeps. It's my fave. My faves, right? Why? Because we like doing life together. Can I use those words? Can, can you guys connect with me if I, if I talk about my peeps and my tribe? I mean, you're my tribe. I love you. When I go to Kroger and I see you coming down the aisle, I don't go and run to the other aisle. I run towards you. Hey, let's talk for just a minute. You know, I don't want to monopolize your time. I say, hey, do you have a couple of minutes? Let's hug and, and share the Lord just here a second. People walking by see that. They're like, I know those two because they have the love of God. You know, Jesus said, they will know you because of your love for one another, right? So we're put in the body so that we can function like the body functions. And our body functions, I mean, my body takes care of my body. Right? Oh, yeah. You know, there's life in me. The life of God is in me, and it's released when I connect with you. It's released when I serve you. This morning, I'm serving you. I've prayed, I've prepared, I've, I've asked the Lord to anoint. I expect His His. Uh, supernatural on my natural and I'm here to serve you with a word that will sustain you that will bring life to you and so I'm releasing life to you are you receiving life from the word of God are you receiving life from this message we have to be intentional though because it doesn't just happen automatically right our society today um, says that we're more isolated than ever before. Sociologists and histor historians will tell you that the more affluent and the more technologically advanced any society has ever gotten, the more it tends to drift into isolation. Isn't that true? We see this in architecture. The houses that are being built today, big, with rooms that are separated from each other so that the families can come home in the evening and go to their corners and look at their screen and never talk to each other again until, until they decide to. They have to be intentional, right? Or else we, we can all get sucked into the screen, right? I've got to do this and I've got to pay the bills and I've got to... No. We need family time around the table where we're breaking bread and sharing our stories and loving on one another. 
And sometimes we have to be intentional to turn off, turn off the devices so that we can connect at the heart. And we see this in social media, this isolation. We want people to know that we're okay and we want our kids and our families and our house and our food and our clothes and our hair to look just perfect. We want it to look perfect so that everyone will look at us and go, wow, they're doing pretty good. We want people to know that we matter and that we're valuable and and we've made it, right? Almost to the point where we don't need anyone else. But the truth is that God created us to be a part of something bigger than us. And that our value comes from our relationships with Him and with each other. That's where our value comes from. Not the things and not the stuff. Also, it's the enemy's plan to isolate. We've seen people who left the church. And listen, Pastor Sheila and I have been doing this for 30 years, so we've seen people come and go and come and go. We've heard almost every reason that you can ever imagine. But at the root of it, at the heart of it, is the enemy pulling somebody out, isolating them off, and saying, saying to them, convincing them, you, don't, you really don't fit in there. Um, they wouldn't miss you. You really don't have anything to contribute. Or the vision has changed and somehow... You need to find somewhere else. But listen, the root of it is isolate, separate, and then if you're picked off from the pack, then he moves in for the kill. So this is why it's so important that we realize that we're a part of the body. You're a valuable part of the body. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a valuable part of the body. We don't even realize, we don't even realize how valuable we are. A couple of weeks ago on a Friday, us guys were together building something. We like to build. Guys like to build. And, and we were putting up the shed out there, and I refused to stand back and just watch. And so it was Michael and Chad and I. And I, I have my own gloves that that uh, my wife bought me because I've messed up my hands so many times. She buys me some work gloves. So I had my work gloves on. I'm ready to go. And I had my hammer. And these guys are out there working. And I'm working. And I'm hammering. I got the hang of it. I got the hang of it. And I got a nail. And I've got my gloves on. And I went, wham! And... <laughs> uh, I felt in an instant that this finger was more valuable <laughs> than what I thought it was valuable. So there's a couple of, there's three things that I learned from this that I want to share with you. There's probably more things that I learned, but three that I want to share about this point about being in the body. Number one, hurt. <laughs> when this finger was hurt, my whole body hurt. I mean, I felt it all over. I, I, I almost felt like I wanted to pass out because I heard my finger pop back out. Oh, it was painful. It immediately swole up, and I immediately thought some things, but I didn't say anything. <laughs> and, 
And Chad says, Pastor, I think you just need to walk it off for about five minutes. <laughs> and I thought, that's a good thought. You, pro- you probably hit your finger before too. <laughs> the second thing that, 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 that I learned from that is that we're limited when we're hurt. We're limited. I couldn't help the guys anymore with my hands. I could hold out the plans and I could fumble through them and tell them, do this or do that or do this other. This is what it looks like to me. But I couldn't be part of hammering the nails. So I was limited. When we get hurt, we're limited. Right? When a part of the body's hurt, we all feel it. We all rush to that part to restore it. Right? This is the body that God has called us into to participating in. My head immediately thought, what can I do to help my hand? And my other hand said, let's go get some ice and find a Ziploc bag. And so my head and my hand were helping this finger and trying to find some relief. And my head also said, why could you be so stupid? And then the Lord spoke to me and he said, you didn't know you were going to hit your finger. (laughs) Right? How many have ever hit your finger and you think, wow, <laughs> I, I pray that I never, ever do that again. Then, then the third thing was help. I learned about help. And uh, that's when my brain kicked in and said, okay, we need to get something to bring the swelling down and pray that this thing is not broken. I don't, know how, I don't know how you break a finger by hitting it with a hammer, but thank God it wasn't broken. Listen, parts of the body that are cut off begin to die. And so people that find themselves outside of the body of Christ begin to die, begin to wither. They lose the life. Anything that's cut off, that's, that's cut off from communication, that's cut off from the flow begins to die, Right? We weren't made a part of his body to do life alone. And listen, if you don't feel like you're connected and productive, can I say that maybe it's not the body's fault? And it surely it's, it's not the head's fault. So if in, you've been in here today and maybe you've been offended and maybe you're not a part of the body of Christ like, and connected to the degree that, that you want to be connected to, I'm encouraging you to to release any kind of pain or offense or hurt and allow Jesus to reconnect you and heal you. Number three, we're a flock. We're a flock. You know, sheep in the Bible uh, is a group or a flock of animals that are incredibly well cared for. When the Bible talks about sheep, it's always about the good shepherd who takes care of his sheep. And so that's the picture of of God with the church. God with the church. Jesus, the good shepherd. Look at 1 Peter 5, verse 2. 1 Peter 5, 2 says, this is uh, the epistle of Peter. Peter is saying by the Holy Spirit about the church, take care of God's flock, his people, that you're responsible for. Watch over them because you want to, not because you're forced to do it. Again, sometimes when you're taking care of the flock, you feel like you may be forced to. 
But all it takes is an attitude adjustment to realize how precious the flock is to the Father. And then you begin to take care of them with the Father's grace to, 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 to maintain them, to, to heal them, to look after them, to love them, to nurture them. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, God made us and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. So I don't think God is necessarily calling us stinky, smelly, or unintelligent. But in the picture of the flock with the good shepherd, God, His desire is to take care of us, to lead us beside the still waters. And in Psalm 23, it says that, that He restores our soul. So if God's desire is as a shepherd to restore your soul, he understands that your soul gets beat up and gets bruised and gets wounded and hurt. He understands that. And as, as his body, as his flock together, we understand that we all go through the same thing. And we're here for one another. And as the shepherd looks after his flock, this is how we look after one another as the flock, taking care of one another. You know, living in the world brings challenges. It brings wounds and bruises. And like my finger, I, I didn't mean to hit it, but I did. And, and you know, it hurt. So I, I needed some help. And we experience things that affect us and we need to be cared for. Just remember that. We need to be cared for. Don't ever allow the devil to talk you out of asking for help. You need help. We need help. We're not superhuman walking three feet above the ground at this point in our life. We're living on earth. We are human. We make mistakes. But with the power of God and the care of God, we can restore one another, refresh one another, and God can restore our soul. He, ca he takes wonderful care of his sheep. You know, when we gather together, like on a Sunday morning, and we're ministering, and there are those in the other parts of the building that are ministering to the children and ministering to one another, and uh, we, we're actually caring for one another. When you say uh, good morning to someone, and you greet them. And if they've been out of town, you say, you know, we've missed you. How did your trip go? Or, you know, I've been praying for you. You, you got released from the hospital or whatever, whatever the case may be. That's, that's, that's caring for one another. That's serving one another. Your words are serving the need that that person has. Never underestimate and devalue that. That is body ministering to, to the body. It's so important. So important. It builds we instead of me. Right? And the last point here, we are a family. We are a family. This is my favorite picture. We're a family. 1 Timothy 3.15. 1 Timothy 3.15 says, I want you to know how, how people who are members of God's family must live. This is Paul writing to to Timothy, and 
The Holy Spirit wants us to know how members of God's family should live. So it's evident that God's family should live a certain way. And uh, he, he wants to share his love to his family through his family. And he'll use me, he'll use you as, as we minister to one another. It's actually from the Lord. And that, 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 that's a, the picture of a family is commitment. We're committed to one another. Whatever we go through, we go through it. There's never a point at which God calls us to drop one another. Right? We're in this thing together. You know, friends come and go, but we're stuck with family. For better or for worse. And listen, just as though you may see some people in your family that you're not that fond of, they look the other way. And they, uh, they, they look from their perspective and they may see some things in you that, that they're not too fond of. But you know, at the end of the day, we're family and we stick together and there's diversity. There's different personalities. There's different colors and different nationalities. There's even different, different languages in our family right here. But the one thing that we have in common is we have the same father. That same father brings us together, calls us by his name, and then he gives us his word, which is his instruction. And when the, spot, the father speaks, we as his children listen and we obey. Because father knows best, right? He made us. He knows how we function and we fit together. He has fit us into the family and connected us with his love. And listen, the more that we grow in love with the Father, the more we grow in love with each other. This family is joined by the blood of Jesus. And it's time as the body of Christ that we, 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 we get over our little hang-ups and we begin to love one another as Jesus has loved us and not look for things that we differ on and disagree on, but look for the things that we agree on, the things that unite us, because there's far much more that unites us than divides us, right? And as a local church, we need to see each other as valuable and precious, the family Connecting with the Father. You know, families learn how to work together. Regardless of how we feel and what we think. If there's a mission to do, the family gets on it. Right? You guys are you're teaching your children. Okay, let's work together for a common goal so that we can get out the door on time so that we can get to church on time. Okay, Fletcher, you do this. Sawyer, you do this. Eleanor, you just stay right there. Because <laughs> if you put her in the playpen, then she's not all over the place. And so everybody has a job. Everybody has a position. Everybody has instruction. And we're going to get to the goal. 
right? Just like the Father. Everybody in their place. Here's what I've called you to do. Listen up. Here's my instruction. Let's live according to the word. Let's love one another as Christ has loved us. Let's build one another up to do the work of the ministry. The mission is before us. The devil's behind us. Nothing going to stop us. And we refuse to give strife any place. As long as we say no, the devil has to flee. When we resist him, he must flee. To build a strong family, we have to be united. We have to look at the big picture. We have to see that the love of God and the mission that he's called, to, uh, called us to is so much greater than the things that we may not appreciate, the things we don't like, or certain things that people say to us that just kind of tick us off, right? You know, it's okay to admit you're ticked off, but it's not okay to stay there. Before the sun goes down, you need to release the anger. Because if you don't, then it builds up. And listen, the real honest truth is that people aren't your problem. When you think that people are your problem, you're your problem. Right? Because what the devil's trying to do is get you to shut down that flow of love coming from your heart. If he can get you to draw back and shut down, then he's disconnected you by your own decision. As long as you love, as long as you forgive, then there's nothing that the devil can do to take you out. Nothing. So, are you connected? Are you connected? Are you committed? Are you committed to the we and not just the me? In this day where we're, we're service-oriented, everybody loves to be served, wants to be served. Do we come into church looking for my needs to be met? Or do we come into this place thinking, Lord, what would you have me do to bless somebody else today? How can I bless your body? How can I serve you by serving others? Right? It's not, all, it's not all about me. It is all about we. It's all about we. We're learning and we're growing. 